You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So this Lent, we're exploring how God is every, making everything right. And Ra- Rachel said that phrase um, as she was inviting us to, to uh, confess. And I think it's true. Um, as unbelievable as it sounds, God is making everything right. Even though we see, we can only see through a glass darkly now. And things are so not right in so many ways. God is in this process of making everything new. And we're, we're part of that. We get to participate in that. And that's, that's the whole invitation of Lent. It's starting now through regular people like us. So I want to explore tonight particularly how God is making things right in our relationships in our relationships with one another. I think this is a tough one because it's so easy to be closed off and shut down in some ways um, or avoidant of relationships for fear of being hurt, rejected, um, misunderstood, disappointed again and again and again, because this has actually happened to us many times, right? All of us. Um, and so I think a lot of people kind of have the, the door of their hearts kind of maybe unconsciously, maybe a little bit consciously, um, kind of closed off um, to relationships because of how we have been unmet in our needs for relationship in the past. And we find that if we let people in just even a crack sometimes before we know it, they're, they're a little too close to that zone where um, we have these wounds and then it's really painful when they disappoint us or misunderstand us. Um, and that can sometimes blow up into this like fight or flight um, situation because because somebody got that close to those unmet needs and then bam, we have to sh- shut the door again. I think this has happened so many times to most people that a lot of people kind of um, unconsciously resign themselves to relative emotional and psychological isolation, like kind of each in our little individual pods of our mind, mostly. Um, And our culture, of course, provides plenty of accoutrement and even affirmation to just kind of stay in our own zones inside by ourselves. I think that's kind of the norm. So I confess that I like romantic comedies a little bit because they open the door a little on the, those cracks of hope for love and affection and intimacy, cheesy as they may be in rom-coms. But I really like Rebel Wilson, and so I had to watch her um, ironic protest against rom-coms this week. It's called Isn't That Romantic, or Isn't It Romantic? And in the movie, 
she comes to realize that she's been closed off like that to relationships because she was she's afraid it's never going to happen for her um and so her adult self is kind of built to like defend and guard um herself from that hope and disappointment so she goes through this process of like um starting to see her own worth and value before she can believe that others value her too. So in this Hollywood kind of way, it's kind of a good, it's a good story. I recommend it, especially the, the, the karaoke dance scene near the end. But at any rate, the opening scene of the movie hints at how we, we often get closed off from relationships as adults. It, it shows her like watching this love story um, on TV as a little girl and her mom drinking this giant glass of wine in the room with her and, and telling her how she should just give up, just give up on love right now. It's never going to happen. And of course, the subtext in my counseling brain is that like the mom and dad like aren't really there for, for her either. I do think we get conditioned as children in particular ways, um, not irreversibly though, but we get conditioned for how it's okay to open ourselves up to others or not. We get conditioned regarding what we can expect in relationships. Um, if our primary caregivers were emotionally attentive and affirming, we can ex expect that. We grow up like expecting that from others. If they were distant, more distant, or unreliable, we learn to cope in other ways, likely by going deeper inside of ourselves and, and trying to make our relationship needs disappear. But they don't disappear, right? We're humans. We are pack animals. It's, it's science. Um, we're made for community. I think that's why God keeps empowering us to form a circle of hope against all odds. And you can see our need, our human need and capacity for relationship really early in life, even just by looking at how babies develop, how they learn to trust and form attachment through, attachments through their caregivers. I think some of you um, are familiar with the still face experiment. Have you guys seen that? Where it, the, the picture of like the, the video of a mother and baby. Um, our, our director of circle counseling has shown this video a couple times. Um, it was done with moms and babies a few years ago that shows how much the babies are effective, affected by the attentiveness and responsiveness from the mother I didn't think I could watch that again because I became a huge baby myself as like when the mom doesn't respond in the video, it's, uh, it's like terrible. But I think it's really instructive for understanding how we're wired um, and able to heal as adults. And now we have found that it's not just, it's not just moms that have this important role in forming um, our expectations in relationships. Dads have this capacity too. Um, so here's the here's the um, still face experiment with dads. 
What we've learned over the years is that babies are much more capable than we initially imagined, but they're also much more vulnerable. And in Edtronic's still face experiment, we get to see both in a very short period. We see the baby and the dad playing together in their routines. There are things that they know about each other and things that they do together, and it's fun. And then we ask the dad to turn away, and when he turns back, to keep his face completely still and not respond to the baby. And the results are almost immediate and they're devastating. The baby looks to the dad and tries to get the dad to get back into those games. Hey, we were just playing just a minute ago, weren't we? We were having fun. What's going on? And then the baby starts to get frustrated when that doesn't work. So she'll have to look away and look around the room and find something else and then look back and say, now can we play? And within three minutes, the baby has really dissolved. She is trying to get out of the chair. She's uncomfortable. She's reaching out to dad. She's crying. And then we ask the dad to turn away again. And when he turns back, to go back to being regular dad. And it's a joyous reunion. They get back into their routines, the things that they do together, the things that they were just doing three minutes before. And the baby settles down and gets back to the comfort zone that she's developed with the dad. What we see in the still face experiment is how able the child is to initiate and be part of the relationship between the father and the child, but also how much she depends on that relationship in order to keep an even keel. And when she's grounded and comfortable, she can explore the world, she can meet new people, she can try new things, and she's got that safe base that she can always rely on. And there's a trust level there. We can only begin to imagine what it's like for babies whose life is like that three minutes all of the time. And they don't get that responsiveness. And they don't get any help getting back to an even keel. And the results can be very tragic. They can have trouble trusting people. They can have trouble relating to people and they can have trouble being calm enough so that they can explore the world and take part in the world. So we know that those initial relationships, that initial responsiveness and interaction between the father and the baby are keys to the baby's success as a child and as an adult. So dads, no, no pressure. If you if you felt something in that video like I did, I think it, I think it just means you're human. It's, you you have needs for attachment and trust and love too. We all do. We need we actually need people to see us and understand us. And I think most of us just didn't get um, enough of that early on. And so we have wounds from these unmet needs. These 
again, it's not irreversible. I think these are wounds that Jesus and the body of Christ do touch and heal. But until we make room for that, I think people who, who get close to us get close to our wounds too, right? And so relationships in adulthood can trigger these kind of like fight or flight responses from us that, that can seem and feel really irrational in the moment, but I think they're not, they are really quite rational based on our past experience um, that we might not have been able to consciously process yet. This is like what our unconscious primal stuff is about. Um, so like you might feel like cutting somebody off um, if you have a breakup. Um, because you really do feel like you need to kind of run from run for your life from that relationship, or you might fight for your life with this person that you're attached to now because you don't want to lose them. My point is that relationships can trigger all these all this painful, dramatic stuff in us as adults, and so it makes a lot of sense to me why lots of people kind of keep the door of their heart um, relatively shut whether they want to or not. I think that God understands this conundrum we're in of being um, unable to get our needs met sometimes, and so God bridges the gap. God becomes a needy human who is simultaneous, simultaneously self-giving of divine love and making a way for us to enter this mystery and be filled by it. And so I think the invitation to, to open our hearts to relating as a human being can really begin at the cross with God. I'm not sure we can do much to even heal our relationships with others um, until we receive from this wellspring from God. Our reparenting from our eternal mother and father begins at the cross where we see God's complete love and attention for us, holding nothing back but giving everything to connect with us, to relate to us, to, to be one with us even, like we're, we're invited at the communion table. The invitation to open our hearts begin can begin with God. And I think Lent is a great time to kind of hone in on that opportunity to let this abundant love from God uphold um, and inform all the rest of our relationships. We were kind of working on this at the Lent retreat yesterday, like letting letting the love in. Um, I think that's it's hard. It's going to take a lifetime to work on that, um, and it does start with some attention to ourselves and where we're at right now, and that that's okay. I think that's how it works. That God actually loves each of us beyond our ability to love other people well yet and to have healthy relationships yet. I think that our loneliness gets healed by, begins to get healed by relating to God.
so I was this this poem by Holly Ordway moved me this week to kind of take the opportunity um, to just kind of be where I was, um, not necessarily in relationship to other people, but to let my relationship with God orient and inform those other relationships. This off this poet is a doctor of English literature who surprised her colleagues by becoming a Christian, and she wrote um, this book called "Not God's Type." An atheist academic lays down her arms. So let me let me read the poem to you. Antique maps with curly cues of ink as borders, framing what we know like pages from a book of traveler's tales. Look, here in the margin, tiny ships at sail. No-nonsense maps from family trips, each state traced out in color-coded numbered highways. A web of roads with labeled city dots punctuating the route and its slow stories. Now Now GPS puts me right at the center. A Ptolemaic shift in my perspective. Pinned where I am right now, somewhere, I turn and turn to orient myself. I have directions calculated, maps at hand, but I'm hopelessly lost until I look up at last. So I think the message there is we begin to orient ourselves best in the world and to others by looking to our creator first. And I think that's that's really the invitation of Lent is it's to relate to God directly. I'm kind of I, I really love maps actually too. And um that GPS line in the poem is the is the volta or the turning point. Um and I, I think I think that's a great invitation for for Len. Normally I would make an argument how it's like so individualistic for each of us to put ourselves at the center of the universe. Again, you know, it is it is a Ptolemaic shift that it's kind of a reversal um back to like thinking of the earth at the center of the universe rather than the the Copernican view of the sun at the center. Um, which makes more sense, but she's taking us back to this this kind of self-centered perspective, which you could argue that GPS and technology takes us, but I, I'm not going there, because I think there's something good in that invitation um, to see yourself there at the center with God, especially right now in Lent, to orient yourself to others based on where you are with Christ. It's a good Lenten invitation because where you are with Christ is forgiven and loved and seen and known. And, you know, being known is better than knowing anything. So focusing on relating to God can open the doors of our hearts to others, I think, in healthy and sustainable ways beyond our our wounds and our fight-or-flight reactions. We can move from 
a place of being filled by love and understanding rather than seeking to get that from others. Last point, relating to Jesus as our eternal parent and letting God attend to us and fill us with love also moves us beyond ourselves. And the way that God does this is real interesting, right? Um, God's, God compels us to relate to others as God relates to us, and it's in this real vulnerable way. Like Rachel was um, giving us that great Michelle Obama quote in the beginning about vulnerability. I think that's, that's the invitation to relating from Jesus, and it's a tough one, um, especially as the world is like, arm, you know, training us to arm up and um, build walls, um, shut down, or, you know, stay inside, and maybe we'll need to do that a little bit over the next couple weeks to get through um, the virus. But I think loving as God loves calls us beyond our fears of being hurt again and rejected again, misunderstood again. And God invites us to, to stay in this place of safety with Jesus um, even as those things happen. Rob's going to have us sing this old hymn, Rock of Ages, um, Cleft for Me, in a minute. Um, and cleft, I love this hymn because cleft means broken. So this is kind of the vulnerable way that God is, is inviting us to do relationships with each other. Jesus is the rock that was broken open for us so we could find shelter and safety and security there and, and this life-giving nourishment and cleansing. But I want to focus on the broken part here because this is how God re makes relationships right in the world through us, and it's so countercultural. I think we could, I think we just have to keep um, sticking our toe into it all the time. Um, Jesus loves us in this vulnerable way. He puts himself in a position to be hurt by putting himself out there. And uh, Ephesians 5 starts out, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. So we are invited to be that vulnerable too, but in this safe space where we know that God's got us and sees us and knows us. I think we're working this out in practical ways all the time, and I got to see it uh, a lot this week in our community, um, particularly my friend, um, one of, my good friend went through a terrible breakup recently and as it often goes all of the breakup divided the friend group and my friend was like on the outs feeling all this loss you know not just for his former girlfriend but for all the friends who are now cutting him off and it was really painful but this week a wonderful thing happened she called and apologized and 
She called and apologized to him for the cutoff. And she asked his forgiveness. Um, and all the friends are now talking to each other again. In many ways, he felt that all this forgiveness was undeserved as they had really hurt each other. But that's how forgiveness and reconciliation works. When we're willing to be broken open, to change our mind, you know, to pick up the phone and say we're sorry. To care more about each other and that reconciliation than we do about our offenses, that's the Jesus way. Though it's not easy, and we'll, we'll need to keep receiving God's love to keep practicing it with each other. But the writer of this hymn that Rob is about to play, you guys can come on up, Rob. The writer of this hymn, um, Rock of Ages, even changed his mind a little bit to put this song out there. Um, the writer of this song spent his whole life fighting with the Wesley brothers. You guys, you remember them? They wrote a, they wrote a ton of hymns, but the writer of Rock of Ages spent his whole life fighting with them over some like theological difference <laughs> and even having these terrible public fights. But he gets the first line of this song from them um, about Jesus being broken open for us. He got it from those guys that he needed to be reconciled to. So let's pray to know the love of our Lord that opens our hearts and our minds to each other, that invites us into mystery and imagination and forgiveness, even beyond our fears and wounds and unmet needs. I think the invitation of Lent is to ask God to help us change our minds even when we need to, um, to care more about being together in love with people um, than being right or safe in our protected little pods. The love of Christ is the place that heals our wounds too. Let's ask God to provide to provide us with a deeper understanding of that love this Lent. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.